Hi, everyone. This is Matt Noble with the Projected Opinions podcast. Um, what you're about to listen to is some uh, something that we kind of forgot about and fell through the cracks. It's an episode that we recorded a few months ago in a batch where we recorded multiple episodes in one evening. And uh, Nathan and I realized in December that we never actually published this episode, uh, our review of the film Searching. Uh, it stars John Cho and is a pretty unique film, and we both really enjoyed it. So we didn't want to just throw this episode away and kind of forget about it. We wanted people to still go out and either get the film on Redbox or stream it however you're able, uh, because it's a very enjoyable, solve-the-riddle kind of film. We both thought it was one of the better episodes of 2018, and so we wanted everyone to have an opportunity to hear the episode. Uh, we hope you enjoy. Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Projected Opinions Podcast, the best movie podcast in under the time it takes to commute to work. My name is Matt Noble. And I'm Nathan Payne. And uh, we're excited to be back with you again, finally getting back into a consistent rhythm uh, with our review of the film Searching. Dad? Hey, sweetheart. Where are you? Study group. I'm gonna go all night. Oh, one more thing. I want to know Dad. about the final you t- took today. I'm Margo. I'm 15. Student. 911, what's your emergency? I'm calling to report a missing person. Okay, who is this regarding? My daughter. And now I'm going to read you the description of the film from IMDb. After his 16-year-old daughter goes missing, a desperate father breaks into her laptop to look for clues to find her. Nathan, what did you think in a few minutes, spoiler-free? So, um, for those of you that don't know, this film is a screen-based film. So it follows after a few other horror flicks, um, where basically you watch Skype or webcam videos of people interacting with computers or cell phones to drive the story forward. Um, and I'm not generally a fan. So when I say that I actually enjoyed this movie, I was not ready to to like it. I kind of came into the theater going, well, I'm going to do my due diligence and watch it. But I wasn't really... I remember pitching it to you. I was like, we should go see Searching. You're like, what's that about? And yeah. you were not... I was not terribly excited. impressed. Um, but now I am. So if if you're interested in original stories by people that you've never heard of and good performances in a non-traditional way, this movie is for you. Um, it follows, like I said, some horror films, but it is not a horror. I would classify it mostly as a like uh, suspense thriller mystery type film. Um, and it kind of keeps you right there. It's pretty tight. I don't think there's a lot of just extra stuff in it. It kept me fairly engaged the whole time. I think it's less than 140 minutes. Uh, 142 is what the runtime is. It's not long. It's not 140 minutes. It's an hour and 40 minutes. Sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry. It's been a little bit. Yeah, so the, 
it's not a two-hour movie. It's not a two-and-a-half-hour movie like we're getting used to with blockbusters these days. It's it's fairly short by today's standards, and it's really yeah. good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. Um, so for me, the, the way I got turned on to this is I watch or, or I read a lot of film news sites, listen to a lot of podcasts. One of the ones... Uh, that I subscribe to is the Slash Filmcast. Um, Slash Film Daily is another subset of that. And they did an interview with the director, who first-time director, he's done some commercials for like Google and things like that. But this is his first feature, and uh, it was going to be a short. And Sony got a hold of him, and they were asking him to make it a feature, and he said, well, he, he actually turned him down and said, no, no thanks, I don't think this would be a good feature, it's just a short. Uh, and then he and his writing companion thought for a little while, uh, something like a month later, they call each other almost simultaneously and say, hey, I've got this idea for our story to go bigger. And thus, Searching was born, or Search at the time, it was called Search. I think this went to Sundance, and it did fairly well, and people were so surprised because it's produced by Sony, so it's a big, big production company production but it doesn't feel like there's a lot of money in it, even though there probably is more than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like a good whodunit. I, I like mysteries. I like seeing the, the, the pieces as they kind of unravel. And I thought this story was, like you said, tightly written. I thought the film was fairly well acted, specifically by John Cho. I thought he did a great mm-hmm. job. He is incredibly um, sympathetic as a character, like a mm-hmm. character actor, you immediately feel bad for him mm-hmm. as he starts like breaking down like what's happened. You see what's happened to him on screen and, he, and I think that causes you to like him quite a bit and trust him as a person. Mm-hmm. So, which is important in this story. I liked it. Uh, it. It's not like a top 10 of the year, but I think it's the best of its genre that I've witnessed. I would agree. Um, and there's just the part of the filmmaker part of me that that appreciates a good product from a first timer mm-hmm. and money from a good studio behind that product and that person excites me um, in a world of tentpole sequels, which get kind of monotonous mm-hmm. when there's, you know, seven or eight of them a year or something insane. Right. So this is definitely different. Definitely not a summer blockbuster, but overall a a fairly decent film, I think. Yeah, so let's start digging into spoilers and kind of peeking behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, So spoilers from here on out starting right now. I I think... Uh, so, did you see the ending coming? Not the exact ending. Mm-hmm. And in just a little bit, I'll probably break down a little bit of the things that I did see. Like, there were elements that I knew. So, they present you, like, a couple of false endings. Right. Okay. So, they, they try to tie up the plot, and they're like, okay, we're done. Wink, wink. Um, yeah, and they you leave. You never actually think. Like, you, never, you never feel 
satisfied with the endings, and I believe that's on purpose. But there's several things that they very conspicuously kind of leave open. If you're if you're paying attention in these moments, you're like, but wait, what about this question that you raised, and what about this? And so there was several issues that got raised throughout the movie, and so one, I didn't really get fooled by the fake endings. Mm-hmm. I never thought they're no, just no. going to end it like this. Right. Um, and I did I did call a few things. Um, specifically, I did call the cop's involvement. I didn't think that she was necessarily the mastermind, but given how much attention they paid to how she dealt with her son, uh-huh. like how they let it linger in scenes where she yeah. had to speak to her son... They in films. Once you start watching enough, if it's on screen, it's significant. Well, or it should be. Right. Some some it's films like close are close-ups. Some films are not good yeah. with that, and they'll show you a bunch of superfluous details that in fact mean nothing. Right. This film almost can't because if it's on the screen, it means that somebody spent there. a lot of time and money to put it there. And so it's there for a reason. So, so one of the things that you, as you, if you end up watching this, which I recommend, like it, there's nothing uh, crazy violent about it. There's nothing uh, gratuitous. In uh, uh, a shockingly clean movie, yeah, for a suspense thriller. There's one F word, a couple S words, a couple D words, and the sight and mention of smoking marijuana. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't believe we didn't get in deeper into like human trafficking or sex trafficking of some type uh, because that's where I thought yeah, this was going to Yeah, same. No, going. I was very worried that we yeah. were going to go like the taken straight route. to the end. Yeah. Um, so if, if you do end up watching this, uh, I think one of the things that you should know to appreciate the, appreciate the film is uh, everything that's on screen is fabricated. Mm-hmm. Like every shot is composed of dozens, maybe hundreds of layers of images that were created to match a historically accurate computer screen or web browser or whatever. This this film is dated in that from the very beginning it opens up and you are in Windows XP. XP. From like, 2002. Yeah, like. and you, it is specifically <laughs> then. All the news articles that you see on news websites are probably dated perfectly to when they actually appeared. I'm I know that they use a lot of what's the Wayback machine? What's it? I don't know. Uh, so there's a there's a a tool online that you can use to visit web pages as they appeared to be on certain dates. On certain dates, um, going back versions of whatever, whether it's Google, Facebook, etc. Um, and they utilize that throughout this film. You will feel like you like f- familiarity even though it's not up to date no it was really weird when the startup page showed up for windows xp and he goes through the very first scene is creating a user for the daughter on windows xp on what's clearly like a new like family computer mm-hmm. um and it was so strange I felt like I was in my childhood because I've done all of those things I used uh, yeah. to be the kid that had his own profile on the family yeah computer that had windows xp and i know where all of the settings are and i was just mm-hmm. like oh it's just like mine at home oh, and when the dad's going through and uh resetting passwords, all the passwords oh i've done that so I, I run a marketing department and like 
I cannot tell you how many times we've had to go back, reset passwords to gain access to an account that was locked out because someone did it and they opened it up and now they like don't work for us anymore, blah, blah, blah. I have done recover password a bazillion times. I've done that just because I'm dumb sometimes and I forget <laughs> my own password. Oh, man, it's, uh, fair enough. Like, yeah, it's like an app that you haven't used in forever and then like you go back and you're like, oh, it's a crap. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, it's not one of my five most common used passwords. Right. <laughs> so I, I thought it was, one, very oddly nostalgic. Yeah, and it was very, very relatable. Like, even for people that don't have a a daughter that goes missing, that can't immediately identify. There's so many just life moments that Mm -hmm. you can identify with as this movie goes along that it kind of just sticks you in his shoes anyway. Like, I felt like I could identify with him even though I have never been married, have never had kids, and I still felt connected to him because Mm. it's, it's one of those technology rites of passages kind of thing where like everybody goes through these stages and they kind of showed life through what the digital age has made of it now yeah so it was very interesting to me to kind of relive some of those moments yeah i i thought so let's get back to story Mm -hmm. or or let's talk briefly direction cinematography editing all of it i thought the editing was incredible mm-hmm. i thought it could have moved a little bit faster you know how like slow the mouse would move sometimes and i know that's for like audiences who are not just like pick it up on stuff that and i think the director probably in some of those moments were like i just need it to sit there uh-huh. like i think a lot of it was dramatic timing really yeah. which kind of i'm fairly add so like show me the thing and then let's move on uh-huh. Yes, but I but. will say, because I'm kind of like that, like I will get distracted by things um, and I have to, I'm the kind of guy that has to do something with my hands while I watch movies. Mm-hmm. I didn't really get distracted during this movie because there was so much detail on screen that I could just look at any part of the screen and just admire the <laughs> amount of work and detail Even that, went into, screenshot. that went into like the freaking icons in the background. Like every one of them is named. The clickbait. That's it, what I kept getting kicked <laughs> out of. It's... It's the medi- the like the meticulous attention to detail uh-huh. is yep. insane. So like yes, I, there might be moments where it's like, well, I know he's gonna click that button, so I'm just gonna look somewhere else until I know that he does it. But I always had some place to look, and there was always either semi relevant information or at least not distracting things that were around. So as a cinematographer, how do you film this? Because most of the time it's it's it looks like screen capture, right? So like or, or like if you're in the FaceTime app, you get all like the distortion and da da da. I assume you film it at like 4K full resolution and then you cut it. You 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 create your box and then you are able to edit resolution, but because it has to be blown up on a huge screen, so you have mm-hmm. to film it mm-hmm. at resolution, like. In theory, and that's the way that we always try to work, is film in the highest quality possible and then work down. Um, and and that's the theory for, for tech heads behind this need, quote-unquote, for like 8K cameras and things like that is because you always just want to get the most because you can always make it less. You can't ever make it mm-hmm. higher resolution. And I would assume they did something along those lines. However, at the same time, you could you could do this movie with GoPros and phones 
and you you almost probably wouldn't have noticed a difference because phones these days record 4K and so do GoPros. GoPros record almost 6K now. And so you, you definitely have enough information to still be able to create the look that you want. And so honestly, like the the tech budget for this on the front end in production for filming the actual performance scenes that you get to see on screen doesn't have to be insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I imagine that they staged a lot of things and they they did as much as they could. But you don't have to get the latest and greatest, you know, sure. camera tech for this because some of it is very hard to replicate. Well, I'm 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 intrigued by the 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 way they set up all the rooms that they filmed in because most of the time it looks like a webcam, uh, and you're limited because presumably mm-hmm. they're in they're. They probably did not build a lot of sets. They probably just used actual homes. Probably. Maybe. Um, because, one, you see so much of it. I mean, I suppose you could do a soundstage set, but... You'd have to do ceilings, too, which a lot of soundstages don't. tend That's to avoid. Why you, yeah, mm-hmm. you don't have... I mean, you use a soundstage because you, you need that height and ability mm-hmm. to move stuff around and sound booms and stuff like that. And, um, with this... I was... it, it did feel on location, I will give you that. Yeah. But I, here's where my mind first went. Um, I freaked out a little bit with a lot of the webcams. I was like, their, their faces are lit. Right. Where the crap I know. did Where's they the put light the coming? lights? I know, I was trying to figure that out several times. Uh, when I, now, I wasn't doing it often because I was often thinking about the story, which kudos for the, right. the movie. Like, I was never distracted away from the story so much so that I kind of forgot where I was. The story has a, a momentum of progress, so that's great. Production quality, though, was so good, and I was always trying to figure out, like, so how are they micing this guy? Where is the light coming from? You know, the one thing that I, I kind of know, like, you know, tricks for hiding, like, real film lights. The one thing that I kept noticing was mm-hmm. their eyes. Mm-hmm. In their eyes was the reflection of what a computer, what their computer screen looks like, because. Mm-hmm. you can tell that it's accurate because we are in fact seeing the screen that has to reflect in their eyes. So you can see that there has to be a dark spot in the middle where their own webcam would be. Yes. And then the brighter spots and it shows up in all of their eyes and I can't for the life of me figure out if they built some sort of apparatus to yeah, shine a really bright light at them that looked like a computer screen or if they motion tracked and composited in oh my gosh, the lights think about that. into... that is a thing that sometimes you'll have to do is you'll have to map out reflections in people's eyes because if you're doing a close-up the camera's going to show up and so like a lot of times so for like for instance in the avengers films Mm -hmm. iron man has heads-up display and he has the kind of the black box face they have to do all of the visual effects and then they have to copy it flip it and track it onto the reflection of his eyes so that when he looks around, it looks like there's light shining in his face. And, you know, when you have $250 million as a production budget, you can do that. These people did not have that. So if they, no. if they did that, props. But, yeah. like, I have a feeling it's somewhat practical, at least for the most I part. I think what they did is they mapped almost the entire movie 
in like rough, like screenshot esque. I would... think that I read somewhere that he actually um, the last thing that they did basically was shoot the yeah. actual performances, and yeah. so he had his visual effects almost people ready. and his edit almost complete, so that he could show it to people and be like, "So this is what it's going to be like." Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that case, they could probably just put an actual computer under the camera and just put a screenshot of what the screen would be mm-hmm. and then to fake the brightness? it. Yeah. Um, maybe so. Let's, let's move on. Anywho, I, I, I was the attention impressed. to detail. Yeah. It's, inc- it's incredible. Um, so I kind of so want to know what yeah. you thought specifically about the ending. So I was shocked they went for a happy ending. I, I, I thought, man, I would love a not crap ending, but I didn't know where they were going to go with mm-hmm. it. It's kind of an indie, or f- indie feel, feel to the, the film. I knew it had played at Sundance. And I Which was like, generally gives you indications that like it's not going to end well. Right, the right. Indie, indie films do not end well. Yeah. <laughs> and so this whole time I'm thinking, she's dead. She's dead. I didn't even know necessarily think she was dead. I was like, like something real bad happened to her. Like it's like either she's dead or she's been trafficked. Yeah, I was thinking trafficked the whole time. For probably about twenty percent of the movie, I thought she's not even in the country anymore. Like when when they found out she Venmoed money to herself, uh, I was like, she, she gone. created. Yeah, she's a, she's got a new identity. She's not even in the country anymore. I thought, oh maybe like maybe. Her parents are from Korea, and so they went. She went back to that or, or Vietnam or wherever they're supposed to be from. And uh, I thought maybe, I mean, maybe she's trying to find her roots and get. I, I don't. I don't know. Didn't, didn't matter. I did not think that they were going to find her in the t- city. Uh, so I was shocked. Um, did think that um, whomever. What was it? Uh, fish and chips was was definitely in on it, and it was a fake identity. And the whole time, when they finally got to the end, and he was like um, searching images in Google Image Search, I was like, "Why have we not done this a long time ago?" I totally would have done that, and anything that didn't look like it was shot on uh, like your home phone, your mm-hmm. iPhone. Uh, so that was a little disappointing, and in, in that, like I. I feel like that was an obvious choice. The, the, the fish and chips user was another one of the things that I caught that clued me into the fact that some of the false endings weren't real. Right. Because... Unresolved storyline. Well, it, a, character, a person online, and I'm treating the film as if it were mm-hmm. real at this point, a right. person online doesn't ask those kinds of questions and get to know a person like that and not have ulterior motives. Always. Like, that's not... Except now I think about that, I'm like, how many of my Twitter exchanges have been like, what do you think about this? Da, 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 da. <laughs> yes, but opinions is far different than life story. If that's you're true. If you're talking to these people about, you know, deep personal issues with your parents and, like, monetary issues, like, that's something else entirely that's not just opinion on public topics. And so that... That clued me in right there because I look for those things when I see online interaction. Like those are things that I watch for, you know, just in case. Because you have to look out for yourself when you're on the internet. And so that person always, I was like, something's up. I don't know if they're going to use it for the story because sometimes stories aren't well written in that sense. But I was like, this is not, 
normal. I also thought I did not expect the cop to be so central, but I definitely thought her behavior in the case was very strange, like FaceTiming him while she was one at home and like talking to him in the middle of the night, da da da, like when you're technically off duty. When I don't don't know how another thing that that kind of got me was when she seemed so freaked out when she's like, did you call the cops? Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So she doesn't want other people involved. Yeah, she doesn't want people there first. Uh, Um, And then her son showed up in the hallway immediately mm -hmm. following that line. And she's like, no, 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 no. Like, get back in your room, son. I'm going to handle this. It's like, something's up. The first, the the time that she told the story about how her son had, like, deceived someone and she covered for him, I was like, what cop does that? Well, that and what cop then tells people that they did that. Yeah, that's illegal. (laughs) Yeah. uh, And I, I, so I taught in a high school. So all these exchanges, by the way, with this parent looking for their kid and high school students being like super weird and shadowy and like super full of facades straight out of real life. Horrifyingly accurate. And um, I, I don't know. I just, I just thought that was well integrated into how this story plays out and that you think it's easy which, to make a mystery inside yeah. of a high school these days oh man because it's just crazy everyone's got double lives mm-hmm. it's your life on a variety of social medias like everyone's got fake instagrams now of like who the, have you never heard of finstas before Mm-mm. fake instas no seriously it's a thing it's super weird you have your normal instagram where you're like uh, I'm not a normal person, blah, blah, blah. And then you have your fake Instagram where you get to be who you actually want to be. And you, like, trash people behind their back. And you say and do stuff. And you post, like, actual things that you probably should not post on the internet on there. Seriously. It's... it's. And here I am using Instagram as a business. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess, I'm, I guess I'm behind <laughs> the times. No, but I did applaud them for being an indie mm-hmm. film. For having the nerve to have a happy ending that's not yeah. common these days and i was almost a bit surprised me too like oh, yeah. i when kind of the epilogue scene starts i was like i knew instantly happy ending mm-hmm. like i i knew what they were doing they kind of they kind of try to get it they narrate to, up to it yeah they kind of like try to let you maybe wonder for a little bit but i knew fairly quickly what was going on yeah. um and i'm okay with that like so many movies end very, very depressingly mm-hmm. these days. So it's it's nice to have a movie, especially that gets so close to very dark things, especially in the scenes where you're assuming that it's the brother. Oh my gosh. I was like, and oh, this is going to be so... I know. <sighs> and to to be able to end with a happy ending, I, I felt like they almost felt like they kind of had to just because they got so close and they made people think such bad things that yep. they're like, okay, we're going to end well. But... I can appreciate it every yeah. now and again because, like, happy endings do happen. Human beings really can't thrive on only sad things. Mm-hmm. And also, real life has happy endings sometimes. Like, so, I appreciate that, especially out of an indie film, um, where that is not normal. Yeah. So, on the whole, any last thoughts? Nope, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I saw it. Uh, I think that if and when this hits like Netflix and stuff, that people will enjoy it. 
I think this will be an excellent binge watch for people on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, I also am excited to actually see what the director does next because mm-hmm. this was a laudable first entry. Oh, yeah. I wonder what happens if they give him an actual budget now for, like, a live-action movie. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to wait and find out. Anyhow, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Projected Opinions Podcast. Look for us online on Twitter. Uh, I don't think we barely use Instagram, but maybe we should start because... Maybe. Finsta's. I guess. Uh, and ProjectedOpinions.com. Video podcast. <laughs> <laughs> thanks again. I'm Matt Noble. And I'm Nathan Payne. We'll see you next time. <laughs>